Well, good morning and welcome to New Life. You know, a lot of times we come to church and we put on a face and we get dressed and, you know, we pride ourselves at New Life that we're a relaxed church, right? We're informal. Um, this is like formal dress for me at New Life. Um, I have suit jackets and sport coats somewhere in my closet. Uh, and I think we, we show up at church and we expect to uh, play our role, we play our part. We are who people expect us to be and we do what we're expected to do and we sing how we're expected to sing. And that's our church face. And that's our church persona. But I have a feeling that more of us live where Jeremy lived this past week. I have a feeling that more of us have a story to tell like that Amen. than we do of a story that is buttoned down and formal. Sometimes it's important for us just to get uncomfortable before God and to be willing to say, you know what? This is just a facade because inside I'm in pain. Inside, things don't make sense. I keep coming back. I keep coming back to church because I'm trying to make sense of it. And all that time, God just wants to meet us and say, I will help you make sense of it all if you just let me. So I'll challenge you today. Listen, I'm getting ready to preach the second sermon of the morning. All right. That was more articulate and passionate than I could ever bring. So I pray that you'll carry what you've heard already today with you and allow that, allow the rawness of what we've experienced already to work in you so that maybe, just maybe, you'll have an experience with God that will let you know that you're not alone, even in a crowd. Hey, we're in Matthew chapter five. We're talking about the Beatitudes. And uh, it's, been, it's been amazing what God has done over the last several weeks. I've had so many conversations uh, at, at well, you know, I've, I've uh, I didn't expect to be subbing this week at all. I figured, Everybody's coming back from school, back from vacation. They're going to hit it, right? I subbed three out of five days this week. And while that is, it, it makes for a busy day, our family is like insanity right now. If you look at insanity in the dictionary, it will show you a picture of the Chase house. Okay, it truly will. We have, a, we have, we have like, we have lots of kids and then we have lots of pets and we have... We have a dragon and we have three mice. One of them, I'm hoping he's not a blind mice, a blind she, I, it's a mouse. I don't think. I'm hoping she's not blind because she got out. So I don't think anybody's gonna wanna come over to our house right now because there's a mouse running loose in our house. And we have two, and we have two cats. So I'm not sure, I'm sorry, don't close, close your ears girls. I'm not sure, sure Minnie's gonna be hanging around. All right, but um, 
when I get that text message, that phone call asking me to come in, I committed to do it this year because the school system needs help right now. And uh, it, was, it was just amazing how God opened doors. I can't, I can't start talking about my faith with students. I have to wait for them to ask. And they did. I had a kid yesterday at lunch, or Friday at lunch, say, what's the difference between what you believe and what the Catholics believe? And I said, well, you know, we're tradition. They're, they're, they're much more of a tradition, we're not. And he says, well, explain that to me a little bit more. <laughs> okay, man, let's just roll the, roll the red carpet out. I said, I think the biggest difference is what we believe on the doctrine of salvation. And he said, and there were two other high school boys standing around with him. He says, well, <laughs> what does that mean? So I was able to give a condensed plan of salvation to three teenage boys Friday in school. Listen, man, that makes up for all the, all the weariness and the fatigue and the annoyance because now I can see why God is opening doors in my life and in my family to, to build, help build his kingdom. I hope you're excited about what God is doing. And I've had a chance to talk to many adults, teachers and administrators. The, it's so funny, the vice principal who said that the church would catch on fire if he walked into our building, uh, quoted, my, quoted the crux of my sermon back to Aaron. And because he asked me about it, and I started talking about meekness and how meekness is a weakness. And this is a, and he's like quoting it back to Aaron in a conversation with her. So I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you so much. You're giving opportunities. Having said all that, I'll get now to our message. We're on the Beatitudes. We're talking about meekness today. And we've been on meekness for the last two weeks. Turn with me to Matthew chapter five, if you will. Aaron, did I leave my glasses back there? My goodness. <laughs> Last week, I, last week, I thought I left them at home, but we have a new minivan. Don't judge me. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I thought I left them at home, but they fell down a little alcove window that makes absolutely no sense and has no use whatsoever. I don't know what it's for, but it's a little, so I found them. Anyway, oh, at least I brought them in today. We're in Matthew chapter 5. If you'd stand with me as we read Matthew 5, verses 3, to 11, 3, 3 through 11. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely uh, say every kind of evil against you because of me. You may be seated. Now we're talking about these, and we've said long ago when we first started on this, um, on, on, in, in this series that Jesus isn't laying out a a moral code for us here. He's telling us how we can live and truly be 
his followers and show the world that we are his followers by living this way, by making sure that these kind of actions and attitudes are what are displayed in our lives. And we talked about the first four uh, being uh, our relationship to God. It's all about our relationship to God. And then the last four that we're going to be starting on in a couple weeks is about how we live it and our relationship with others. But we're still on our relationship with God. We've come to this term meekness. And meekness, as I've said every week, is that misunderstood characteristic, especially by men. And you know, if you were here last Sunday, or if you watched us online, I went on my little diatribe about uh, what it means to be a real man. And we look at meekness, and meekness is like the last thing a man wants to have. It's the last thing that men want to claim to be. I'm not meek, I'm a man. Well, meekness doesn't mean weakness. And I hope you've learned that throughout this. We started talking about meekness. And I gave you five different points about what meekness is in the first sermon. And then we started last week on what meekness does. We're going to button that up this week. Meekness, I gave you this definition, if you remember. Meekness is willful submission of all that we are to all that God is so that we can be all that we can be. Meekness is willful submission of all that we are to all that God is so that we can be all that we can be. Snuck a little army slogan in there for those of you. <clears throat> so we started with this. What is meekness? Meekness is power under control. You remember we talked about that. Meekness is power under control. It's you and your abilities and your desires and your passions and everything about you under the leadership and authority of God so that he can take all that he's given you and all the gifts and talents and abilities that he's given to you and he can use them to accomplish his purpose for his kingdom. It's you putting yourself under the authority of God. Meekness is power under control. Then we said meekness is humility. Meekness is not about me, me, me. Meekness is humility. Then we said meekness is unreasonable. I'm not gonna spend time going back into that. If you wanna hear about how, why I say meekness is unreasonable, you can go back and, and listen to the messages uh, from a couple weeks ago uh, about how meekness is unreasonable. Meekness is not it's not really the way we would think that things should get done, but it is. Then I said meekness is confident, which kind of seems strange to say meekness is humble, but then meekness is confident. Meekness is confident because it understands that under the authority of God, it can accomplish anything. Then I said meekness is satisfaction. Meekness is being satisfied with all that God has done for you. And now we started last week talking about what meekness does, how meekness presents itself to a world. Listen, man, look around. In the space of eight days or nine days, however long it's been, has the world not changed? I mean, we are living, we are living in a different world. Have you ever seen the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner? It's about the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, think they, I think they picked the most pathetic um, franchise because they'll never, they've never won anything in the Super Bowl era. But um, he's trying to make a trade on the phone. And he says to the guy, um, the guy says, come on, okay, I'll take the deal. He says, oh, no, 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 no. We live in a totally different world than we did just 15 seconds ago. Like, I feel like we're living draft day. We live in a totally different world than we did just less than two weeks ago. Everything has changed. It's amazing. I mean, not only have we spent two years battling a, a pandemic which fundamentally changed society, 
Now, we're on the brink of World War III. I'm not going to get into all of that, but we're looking at a major war again. I mean, and somebody, when, when we came in, I was talking to somebody about the Hunger Games this morning, right? And it's, it's, if you've ever watched the movie The Hunger Games, that's what this is like to me. The whole world is watching this little arena where this one country is trying to stand off against this massive bully. I, it's just ama it's amazing to me. And it begs the question for us all to look at and ask ourselves, because of all of this, because of everything that's going on, because of where we're at, because how the world has fundamentally changed in just a short period of time, and then extrapolate that over the last couple years, how everything is different, how then shall we live? How do we now live? Because there are people in the church that are just falling away left and right. There are people because of societal pressure and because society is really pushing their, 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 um, their agenda, the immoral agenda. There's, there's all kinds of things that are anti-Bible that, that are out there. And so many Christians, how many of you have heard, have heard the phrase, deconstruct your faith? Okay, let me just say that because I, I had a conversation with... Uh, uh, another group of pastors about this and one guy was like oh we're deconstructing our faith it's not a healthy thing because if you look at deconstructing your faith the whole idea is to break it down and realize that it, it that at its essence it's wrong that's the that's the concept of deconstructing something okay to break it down to find out where it's wrong Listen, man, just because you've changed your philosophy or just because you've changed the way you go to church or how you worship, just because we don't have a piano and an organ anymore, just because we don't wear suits and ties and dresses every Sunday, that's not changing the Bible. That's not changing scripture. That's not changing faith. That's changing methods. Methods change all the time. The message doesn't. When we start tampering with the word of God and changing fundamentally what the message is all about, we have people now in churches that are changing the reason Jesus came down to earth. He didn't come down to die on the cross to save people from their sins. He came down to earth to make society equitable for everybody. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. That's not the, that's, as Paul said, that's not how you learn Jesus. Jesus' mission was to provide a sacrifice for sin, one sacrifice for sin forever. Listen, can I, just, can I just lay something on you real easy and, and real quick? Life is never going to be fair. Society is never going to be fair. It's never, it's never going to happen. My wife and I are, are raising four children of color. Can I tell you something? Osvaldo, you and your family, you're immigrants into this country. Can I be honest with you? Can I just tell you, those of you who are, Cliff, Cliff can tell it, Cliff's an immigrant from Panama. All of you who are people of color, those are Puerto Rican cheering section over here. Folks, it's never going to be fair. It's never going to be equal. I'm sorry to tell you that. I got nothing but love in my heart for everybody. I really, truly do. I, I, I see, I, I'm, not, I'm not a hypocrite. I see color. No doubt about it. I love looking at color. I said to somebody this morning, <laughs> spring is almost here. My pasty white skin is finally going to get some color, man. <laughs> There is nothing worse. There is a, oh, thank you. There is nothing worse than a. There is nothing worse than a, a, a straight up white 
bald head. I'm serious, man. It just glows. All right. I'm looking forward. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to having some brown, uh, some, some tan on this. But I'm telling you, man, I'm just being honest. You can carry all the signs. You can shout all the slogans you want. You can say everything you want and do everything you want. Life is never going to be fair. And we don't, especially we don't, come to the Word of God and change it just because we want to change uh, the way society operates. What you do is take the Word of God into yourself and you allow it to change you so that you begin to see people in a different way. You begin to see them as your equals. Come on now. You begin to see them as a person who deserves your respect. Start with you. You're never going to, and I'm, I'm not being, I'm not John, trying to be Johnny Joyless here. Because I think, I think we can have a whole lot of fun and happiness and joy in society. I love my church, man. I love seeing new folks come in. I love the fact that we got a whole bunch of chairs down at the other end that pretty soon we may have to start bringing, bringing back into the auditorium. I'm excited about what's going on. But I'm also realistic. And I understand that this world is broken and humanity is spiraling downward. And my responsibility is to keep myself close to God, to raise my family and to, to work together with my wife to, to build a strong, godly family and to live my faith in such a way that people will see a difference so that they can draw closer to Jesus Christ. And that's what the Beatitudes are all about. And this whole idea of meekness, we want to not, not just see what it is, because it's great to have knowledge. It's wonderful to have knowledge. Man, it's, it, isn't it fun to win uh, Bible trivia? It's awesome to win Bible trivia contests, right? But isn't it better to be able to take that knowledge and have it become wisdom in your life? so that you can now live in such a way that you are making good decisions, that you're making and building strong, functional, healthy relationships, and you're really truly reaching out to other people in such a way that it changes their perspective and brings them to a place where they now are considering who Jesus is to them. First thing we talked about was this, meekness builds relationships. First relationship that it builds is a relationship with God. Remember, we characterize that as he, not me. Meekness builds relationships with God. He, not me. It's not about me, it's about him. The second thing, relationships build, uh, meekness builds relationships with others. It builds relationships with others. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing here, man. That's what that three minutes is all about, right? We used to do five. And it used to overflow, Zach, to what, like eight? I mean, we, yeah, we, we used to, I mean, we say, it, was like, it was like herding cats trying to get people to go back to their seats because people would, you know, we, we almost, before COVID, it was, it was full and was really tough to maneuver around, but we got it down to three minutes and it still goes on and nobody listens to the announcement, nobody hears the announcements, but, um, at least we've got down, and that's what that's all about. 
for us to see and talk with each other and, and say hello again. Because how many times have you come into the service and you've sat over here, uh, you've gone back into a dusty old corner back over here, and you get up to shake somebody's hand, you realize, oh, wow, I didn't see them come in because now we've got this massive wall there that blocks everything, right? We're building relationships here. We're building relationships with people, with each other. Relationships that we, can, that we can feed into and relationships that we can draw from that make us better people, that make us better followers of Christ, that help us to know we're not alone. There are people just like me. And as we build those relationships, as we get into those relationships, we start to learn about people that, you know what? I'm not the only one that went through that. One of, the, one of the things we had to pay attention to when we brought Maya and Autumn into our house was now we have four kids in our house that have all come through pretty horrible lives. And while it takes time and every one of them needs our time and our effort and our devotion and our love, and although they just annoy me so much, oh my gosh, I just can't, sometimes I just kind of like, God, is this real? I love them to death. And I wouldn't trade them for a new Dodgers hat. Maybe. Maybe, yes. Yes. But now those four kids, I don't know how it happened except that it's Jesus. Those four kids have bonded like siblings in just over three months because there's a familiarity. There's a commonality that they have. You see, that's what this is all about. Familiarity, commonality, finding out how we fit together and how we can help each other and how we can draw from each other. Meekness builds relationships, we, not me. And then meekness builds relationships with our church family. We understand that the mission is greater than me. The mission is greater than me. That brings us to the next one. Meekness accepts weaknesses and admits mistakes. Now you might've been with me all the way up to this point, but man, this is a tough one, right? Meekness accepts weaknesses and admits mistakes. And no, it's not double, double speak because I said meekness isn't weakness. Meekness, though, accepts our weaknesses. You see, because as we build relationships, the way it's designed is that where one is strong and another is weak, another may be strong and that one might be weak. So our our our, our community talents and abilities work together to make a whole unit, to make a whole family, to make a functional church, to make a functional family, to make a functional relationship. And that then allows us to accomplish ministry and move forward and do things for the kingdom of God that we could not do on ourselves. And weakness admits mistakes. And I think that's, a, I think that's an incredible mark of maturity, not just as a human being, but as a Christian as well. To be able to say, listen, I was wrong. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about this thing. You don't always have to keep up that facade of being right and being the smartest person in the room, of being the person that has all the answers, right? 
I try to practice that with my kids. I truly do. You can ask Zach. From the time they were, from the time my first three were little. Um, now, when they when they become teenagers, those of you who are raising teenagers, you know your kids accuse you of thinking you know everything, right? Oh, you think you know everything, Mom. Well, <laughs> you know what? Well, I know not to eat a Tide Pod, kid. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm just telling you. I know not to huff gasoline and then smoke a cigarette. All right. I, well, you, no, no, no. That happened. That that happened when Zach when Zach was in high school. A kid did that. Okay, uh, not Zach. Not Zach. Not Zach. But I listen. I know not to do these stupid things. All right. So no, I may not know everything, but I do have some things to teach you. All right. So you can be sarcastic and say, "Oh, you think you know everything," and sometimes I'll start answer back and say, "You're absolutely right. I do. I do. I know everything." But we don't have to keep up those facades because we can't. We do make mistakes. And I tell you, the two most powerful words in a relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, the two most powerful words are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you can finally get to the point where you say, you know what, I was wrong and I'm so sorry. It's difficult for men to admit that they're wrong and to apologize. I, I've started that with my two youngest boys, just the way I started it with Zach when he was young. Letting them, hey, listen, man, I screwed up. As he, and when, you get, when you've got twins or when you've got two boys and one of them <clears throat> does something and blames it on the other and then you find out who really did it, uh, you have to go back and you have to apologize to the one that you blamed first, right? Man, that builds so much... Of it, that, that deepens the relationship and it teaches your kids so much when you can say, I'm sorry. Or with your marriage, when you can go to your spouse and say, hey, I'm sorry, that was not right of me to be that way. It wasn't, it wasn't right of me to react that way. It admits, it accepts weaknesses and admits mistakes. Meekness owns its actions and it takes responsibilities. Meekness apologizes for its wrong. And as a Christian... Meekness doesn't just accept it. Meekness confesses its sin to God. Man, we're missing out on that today in churches. We're, we've lost the art of confession. I'm not talking going to where, a, where some cat is sitting in a booth and you talking between a screen or whatever. I'm talking about going and pouring your heart out to God and say, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I was in sin. I was wrong for what I did. Confessing it and then doing your best to forsake it. That's what meekness does. Meekness accepts its wrongs, accepts its weaknesses, confesses it, uh, confronts it, confesses it, and does its best to turn from it. Proverbs 29, uh, 28, 13 says, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. So meekness not only accepts its weaknesses and admits its mistake, another thing meekness does, and here's, here's a tough one, meekness takes the high road. Meekness takes the high road and sees value in everyone. Meekness takes the high road and it sees value in everyone. No one wins when brothers and sisters in Christ are divided. Let's just, be, let's just be honest. 
No one wins when brothers and sisters in Christ are divided. When we can't get along, when we, we're going, you know, I, I'll say what old preachers have said for years, we're going to spend eternity together. We need to learn how to get along here. Stop holding over people's heads what they did. They hurt you. Listen, I'm not minimizing what someone did to you. I am not minimizing it at all. Because some people, you know what? Tie them behind your pickup truck and drag them around town. That's what they deserve. But if I live my entire life just, just hanging on to the pain of the past, rather than trying to confront that, meet it, deal with it, and work beyond it, and work towards health, and work towards function, that I'm missing the point of life. And if I'm consistently going to hold a grudge against people who hurt me, I'm only going to hurt myself. Meekness takes the high road and says, you know what? I, I, I can't change what happened. But I'm going to move beyond it. I'm going to move beyond it. You will never truly see appreciate and accept someone else's strengths until you accept and understand your own weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10 say, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore I will most gladly boast all the more in my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Folks, that is just meekness played out in everyday life. To understand that you cannot do anything of value for the kingdom of God in, under your own power. To realize that it must be the power of God working through you. Accepting the fact that you are weak. And you have to be okay with the fact. Here's a, boy, here's, here's a truth that we got to grab onto, man. You've got to be okay with the fact that God gets the glory and not you. And that's more difficult than it sounds for most of us because we all want recognition. Don't think so? Try to, try to ignore how many likes on your last Facebook post. Right? We all want recognition. But meekness says it's not about me, it's about him. And he's going to get the glory. And I can fade away into the shadows as long as the kingdom of God is being benefited by what I've done. I will accept my weaknesses, and I will admit my weaknesses, and I will live every day in my weaknesses so that the power of God can be displayed through me in his strength. And when that happens... All heaven is going to break loose, man. And great things are going to be done for the kingdom of God. You're going to see opportunities to live your faith. You're going to hear opportunities and have opportunities to share your faith. And you are going to be able to mine out of the rugged rock of society lives for Jesus Christ. It's not an easy place to live like that here in western Massachusetts. It's a very difficult place. 
admit our weaknesses and allow his strength to live through us. Just to wrap that up, meekness leans on God, period. Meekness leans on God, period. I can't do it. Aaron has been with me on many prayer drives. My prayer, I, take, I used to take prayer walks until they started replacing parts of my body. Now I take prayer drives. And I, there's, when I start, I, I pray for my family. I pray for my church. I pray, pray for all seven of my kids. I pray for my parents. I pray for, the, I pray for our worship team. I pray for our, everybody that's going to be here. And then I get to myself. And I know, I know who I am. I'm very comfortable with who I am. I know my weaknesses and I know the most terrifying thing for me in life is to be right where I'm at right now. I can't, I, I do not like speaking in public. And that may shock you because I have to do it every week. If I'm up here on my own in my own power, it's, it's just not cool. It's, it's just not good. So I have to go to God and say, God, you've given me a job to do. You give me a mission and I can't do it. And I, the best, the, the only way I know how is to start naming every part of me, every, every issue in my, everything of my life, every component of what makes me, me, and just surrender that to him. And say, God, you use everything that you've given to me so that I can glorify you. So that your word will go forward. Because I can't do this, folks. I can't do this on my own. I don't, I, that's, that, I, I'm not ashamed of that. I don't find that to be demasculating or emasculating. I don't find that to, to make me less of who I am. I find amazing peace and joy in that and amazing power. Because I know when I've been wrung out like a, like a dish rag at the end of a sermon, God has, God has used me to the fullest that he's wanted to. And that's not patting me on the back. That is all glory to him. I'm okay with that. And you have to get to the point in your life where it's okay that God gets the praise. That nobody has to see your name on it. Nobody has to hear your voice. Nobody has to see your picture. But you need to get to the point where it's okay if nobody knows you were involved as long as the kingdom of God is profited and built. That's leaning on God. David wrote in Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Next, I see that meekness seeks the best. Meekness seeks the best. Meekness is as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. Matthew 13, 44 through 46, Jesus taught this parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. The king, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Listen, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you have found the pearl of great price. 
You have found what that merchant has been looking for. You have found the treasure that that farmer found in his field that Jesus taught us about. You have found the most valuable possession you could ever have in this life. What Jesus was trying to teach us there is this. Once you find me, once you find what I have died for, once you find what I have given my life for, once you have found eternal life in me, and you truly understand it, you will give up everything else and sell out to serve me. Oh yeah, you'll have to work, because the Bible says if a person doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. Bible says that we're responsible to take care. Bible says that we, as parents, are responsible to, to provide for our children. Uh, we're, those, those are our responsibilities. But we don't do them for us. We do them for him. We do them for the kingdom of God. We, we work our job so that we can support our habit of Christianity. That's what it means to find that pearl of great price, that hidden treasure and then to sell out for it. Meekness seek, seeks the best solution. That's why we put together a, a, a missions team and said, anybody who wants to be part of it, come on, be part of it. Because as we are entering this brand new world, listen, I've ministered here for 20 years and I'm, I'm 59. I'm out of touch with a lot of things going on in society with the younger groups, with the, with the younger crowd. And I've, and I've got no shame in that. I've, I've, earned, I've earned a bald head, man. I need the best solutions to reach this community. And our missions team is a local missions team. It's all about reaching our community. Our first meeting was a week or so ago and we had some great ideas come out. I don't have to have, it doesn't have to be Pastor John's idea. Meekness seeks the best solution. Meekness understands that sometimes the answer is not you or yours. Sometimes the answer is sacrifice. Look out, because I must say this, sometimes the answer is change. Change in attitude, change in perspective or perception, change in leadership. Meekness seeks the best leader, God's leader. Can I say something just straight up honest for, for no hidden agenda? I'm just going to say this straight up, folks. There's one pastor, one senior pastor of this church. The job's taken. Get it? Job's taken. Now, should you choose to find a better leader? Your call. Your call. Absolutely your call. But for now, the job of senior pastor is taken. Stop trying to do my job. God's called you to do something different. Do it. Do what God has called you to do. And no, there's no undercurrent. There's no movement to try to get me out of here. Don't get me wrong. I'm just making the point. God has called you to do something different than what he's called me to do. So do it. Stop wasting your time trying to be the senior pastor and just do what God has called you to do. And God, uh, meekness, 
seeks the best process. The next thing and the last thing I see about meekness is this, and I think this kind of rounds it all out, what we've been talking about. Meekness sees a bigger picture. Meekness sees a bigger picture. Meekness just doesn't see what is in front of it. Meekness doesn't just see the path behind. Meekness sees a bigger picture. See, meekness looks at what's going on in this world right now. Uh, let, me tell you, let me give you my take on it. And I know this is, this is like debatable with so many people and I, 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 I think they're absolutely wrong. I believe we're in the last of the last days. I believe, I believe we're in the end of the end times. Oh, well, these things are, no, they haven't always happened. They haven't always happened the way they are happening now. Okay, they just haven't. You can never, you cannot point to a point in history where all the signs that Jesus said were going to mark the birth pains, the beginning of the end, he said they're gonna happen at the same time. You cannot point to a, a time in history where they're happening right now at the same time, including Russia. Not a political statement here, not at all. Not a, not a, a statement about, about whatever. But can I tell you, if nobody stands up and stops Russia, they're just gonna keep going. They're just gonna keep going. And they're gonna march all the way to Israel. I think that's in the Bible. And who's the other one we're afraid of right now? China. China's not gonna stop. 100 million person army. That's end time stuff, folks. You see, we've got to see the bigger picture. How does that fit in? How's all, we have to realize, I believe with all my heart, we have to realize and understand that our time is short and that I don't want to become one of those people that the Bible prophesies will be falling away from faith. Like people are falling away from faith right now, left and right. I want to be one that is faithful to the truth, not arrogant. But I've been called by God to do a job right up until the point that my life ends or he calls me home through the rapture. And that's what I'm gonna do through the grace of God. I'm going to stand and do my job as a good soldier until the end because I see a bigger picture. I see that Satan is trying to blind the eyes and distort the minds of God's children by making it very difficult for us to participate in society right now. You see, you, you see that uh, Vladimir Putin still has his Twitter account. But God help you if you want to put a, a message about Christian morality, a sermon about morality on YouTube, they could take it right down. Come on, folks. See a bigger picture. I'm not trying to be a fear monger, please. That's not the point of this. 
Meekness sees a bigger picture. We live our lives for Jesus Christ because we see a bigger picture. It matters more than just my life. I hate going to the... I, we had to fill up both vehicles this week. And, and old Nostradamus here just predicting gas going up more and more and more and more. Jessica, come on, stop putting the posts on Facebook and it may not happen. Jeez. Just kidding. She put a post on about, about and, it, and it happened. And it's like, my gosh. You know what? I wasn't going to fill up yesterday. I wasn't going to fill the truck up yesterday because it's like mortgage. You're taking a second mortgage in the house watching that numbers go up. But I thought, and it, exactly what she wrote came to my mind. I'm like, well, I better do it now because Jessica said it's going to go up tomorrow. And I don't like all that. I don't like paying more. I don't like telling our kids, listen, we're, we're cutting back on these certain things because it's, it, I, you know, I'm, we're selling arms and legs now to pay for this stuff. But I do see a bigger picture that this is what's going to happen. The, the fear right now is that 75% of the world's um, fertilizer is not going to go out this year. What happens when that happens? Farmers can't grow what they grow. Famine, end times. That shouldn't scare us, should concern us, should make us prepare and, and do what we need to do, but should also call us to action because meekness sees a bigger picture. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than my home. It's bigger than, it, it's the mission that God has called me to, to serve him unwaveringly and faithfully until the end. Someone needs you. A meek Christian fights off offense because they realize even though the battle is personal, it's also eternal. Even though the battle you fight is personal, it's eternal. Satan knows that if he can take one soldier out of the fight, then that weakens the rest of the army. Meekness recognizes the least of us and does its best to help them. Matthew 25, 35 through 40, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in, in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? And you did... Uh, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Reaching out to someone who asks for food, doing the work of God to the least of these. Reaching out to someone in distress, someone in need, helping out, doing what you can as a follower of Jesus to show the love of Jesus to somebody else, man. That is, that is ministering to the least of these. Meekness is kind and gentle to everyone because not everyone has had the same life that you have had. It has become very apparent and very obvious to me. I, my mom is here today. My goodness, I'm so thankful to have my mom here. 
She is back with us. Well, I, 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 I stole her from my brother-in-law, Mike, and I wheeled her down here because I wanted to, I'm a pastor. I get those privileges sometimes. I asked her if she wanted the turbocharged ride. And like, well, her and I have the same thing in common. Not only do we have DNA, we also have titanium. Um, so if I start running too hard, there's going to be things flying all over the place. So I get to bring my mom down here, and she said to me, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to come down here again. Well, you're here, Mom. Good to have you here. My dad's here, too. Great to have him here. These two people are heroes of the faith. There are thousands of lives that have been touched and changed because of them. They're my heroes. I think they're amazing. I was privileged to be raised by those two people. To be raised in a home of love and Friday night frozen pizza and french fries and milk, whole milk mixed with powdered milk. If you've never had that, you can't hide it. <laughs> I was raised... It was like living Beaver Cleaver's life. It really was. And as I've ministered over the years, I've come to realize that's not what everybody experienced. In fact, that's not even close. And maybe, just maybe, I need to be more kind and gentle and loving and compassionate because other people weren't raised the same way I was. In fact, while I was raised with a little bit of heaven, they were raised with whole lots of hell. And it's my responsibility to be thankful and grateful for the goodness of God in my life and then to show others the love of Jesus because they have not experienced it. You see, meekness is kind and gentle because not everybody has had the same advantages in life that you have had. Meekness is not racist. I had to go throw that in there, didn't I? Meekness loves everybody, man. Meekness sees the, the, the beauty and the colors that God has created on the skins of other people. Not everyone has had the same advantage that you have had. Not everyone has had the same good fortune that you have had. And not, not everyone was exposed to Jesus like you were. I have the privilege of uh, leading a, a woman to Christ this past week. She was, all, she was ready, man. She just wanted to pray. We've seen that happen. We've seen a couple adults get saved this year. My wife accepted Christ when she was 36. And she reminds me all the time, John... I wasn't raised like you were. I wasn't raised with a faith like you were. And I have to remember those things. And some of you have to remember the advantages. And listen, you don't have to be, you don't have to feel guilty. I, I'll say this too. White folks, please don't feel guilty about being white. I'm serious. 
I'm absolutely sick. And that's not, listen, that's not, a, that's not a white supremacist, yo, stand up with the flag, proud boys type of thing. That's not what that is at all. God created you with the color of skin you have. Rejoice in that. Don't rule over people because of it. That's, that's dumb. Be thankful for how God created you and who he created you to be. And show the love of Jesus by reaching across racial lines and racial barriers to let them know that Jesus loves them. There may be people over here that hate you and want to kill you and want to chase you down and want to string you up. No, I'm not being funny. I'm being absolutely serious. But that's not me. And I love you for who you are. Meekness is kind and gentle to everyone. Why? As I talked with Jeremy on the phone yesterday when he called me about this. Listen, I don't know what it looks like, the verse I'm about to read. I don't know what that looks like. Osvaldo has got a lot of education. He's pastored before. and he's, I don't know if he knows what it looks like. Uh, my father has pastored for you know, 50 years. I don't know if he knows what it looks like. But I do know the Bible says that this happens. And maybe, just maybe, if I show kindness and gentleness and meekness to everyone, no matter their station or situation in life, maybe, just maybe, I'm doing what Paul says could happen here. And it's not necessarily for me, it's God meeting me where I'm at. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Listen, I'm not looking to get into the, uh, you know, the, the, the weird crystal ball kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible clearly tells us that angels are messengers and ministers to set, that are sent to, to help us in life. And maybe, just maybe, God sends somebody into your life so that you can minister to them to help you understand how much he loves you and what you have in life. You have enough to give to somebody else. Be kind. Meekness is kind. Meekness is gentle. Meekness is loving. Meekness is compassionate. Meekness doesn't look at people and say, learn our language. Meekness says, listen, man, I don't know how to communicate with you, but let's figure it out. Meekness doesn't say, don't move into my neighborhood. Meekness says, can I help you move in your couch? Can I help? Now, some of you younger guys can help move in that refrigerator. Meekness loves because it sees the bigger picture, because it knows that Jesus has called us to a greater purpose in life. You see, meekness isn't weakness at all. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of our service this morning, well, what a powerful day it's been, God. An amazing time of worship. Amazing time of uh, fellowship and God, a freedom to share your word. 
Father, it's incredible times we're living in right now. Uh, Very interesting and very unique. Lord, it can be a time of fear, be a time of uncertainty. But I know that you want this to be a time of joy, a time of learning, a time of work, a time of ministry, a time of growing. God, would you help us to understand? I mean, we, we touched on meekness, God, but there's so much more there. Would you just help us to learn more about who you want us to be? And God, as we interact with people throughout our day, Lord, the line, is, the, the line of demarcation is being drawn very clearly now. And a choice is needing to be made whether we're going to stand for truth or we're going to capitulate and, and walk away. Please, God, give us the courage to stand for truth. To, to live our lives in such a way that we're ready at any moment to share our faith, to share your love with someone. Father, may we go out of here today filled. May you got out of here today energized and excited. We walk out of here ready to live a life of worship and ready to walk through every open door that you place in front of us. Deepen our love for you. Deepen our love for each other. God, I just, I'm so, I'm so thrilled. I can remember a year ago preaching to an empty auditorium, God. This is just so cool to see this coming back. God, would you bless us all? Thank you again. Your name we pray. Amen.